Welcome to Destined to Disrupt, a movement, a mantra, a podcast. We're here to explore the stories of how creatives of color and culture arrive to disrupt the world. I'm your host and resident storyteller, Felicia. I'm a designer, creative activist, business maven, your local homegirl, and most importantly, I'm a disruptor. On this week's episode, we have Badara. Badara Ndiaye is a Senegalese-born former Division I basketball player turned model, artist, and creative director in Paris, France. His strikingly unusual perspective on the world of fashion and his remarkable heights is what really impressed me. Steeped in academia, studying sociology, anthropology, and psychology at the Florida International University in Miami, Badara tells us about how his perceived setback due to a basketball injury seriously set him up for a completely different career path. The towering 6'11 model is also an experienced contributor and editor at various major digital fashion outlets, working with top fashion icons as well as luxury brands internationally have allowed him to develop a very distinctive creative eye throughout the years. Badara has been featured on top international publications such as GQ Australia, GQ Spain, GQ Italia, Vogue Italia, L South Africa, The Wall Street Journal, Harper Bazaar, and more. Badara continues to amplify his true purpose as an artist by sharing his love for the aesthetic and culture to deliver powerful messages through photography, films, and his upcycle paintings on his clothing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Destined to Disrupt. Welcome to Destined to Disrupt. This is your girl, Fee on the mic and I'm super excited today because I have such a special guest and I am just really grateful that this beautiful soul has like decided that Destined to Disrupt was where he needed to lend his voice and his gems and his gifts. So today we have Badara here and he's gonna, I don't want to spill all the beans about you because I have you here. But I just want to tap in. How are you today? Welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you very much, Faye. Uh, and thank you for having me and for having thought of inviting me to your to your show. Uh, I know we started talking before, but this is, uh, I guess, our first official really talk about uh, your project. I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, I've been a little bit tired and busy, but I'm well. <laughs> Good. You've done something. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm growing and flowing as we talked about. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just going through all the normal growing pains as a creative. So just launched the podcast. And that was a huge unveiling. Um, and I know you've had a huge unveiling yeah. since last time we chatted. So we both basically had a baby. And now we're back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, life goes on like <laughs> Oh my goodness. So where are you right now, Badar? Right, right now I'm in Paris. In Paris. Where exactly in Paris are you? Now I want to know. I'm in the six in the CZM. Okay, in the six. It's, okay. It's in Saint Germain. Most Americans who come to Paris know. No, yes. It's, it's I actually know. So you're right. So you're like right there where the what is it, the Latin district or um... actually exactly where I am. I'm very close to it. I'm right next to the Jardin de Luxembourg. Wow. Wow. Yes. So I know exactly where you're at. Really cool. And tell me about your vibe right now. Like, 
Are you drinking? What What are you drinking over there? Water? What time is it? Because <laughs> we're on a super major time zone <laughs> difference. It's 8 p.m. I'm drinking a hard liquor. Oh, nice. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't drink alcohol at all, actually. Oh, okay. I never drank alcohol. Uh, I grew up Muslim, but I'm not religious at all. And, and also because of the sports that I was in, and I never just got into and nor was ever curious about uh, drinking alcohol, no smoking or doing drugs. So I have been... Oh, yeah. wow. I, I eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your vice. But yeah, but no, I never, even if you look at my social media, you think I'll be a, I'm a party or something like that. But no. Wow. No, yeah. I'm okay. guessing you're drinking tea or coffee. I am drinking a tea. I love mint. I'm trying to cut down on my caffeine. So yeah. this is a Moroccan mint green tea. So yeah, yeah. I love called, green tea. It's called, called Nana. 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 Yes, exactly. Ah. It's, a it's called Nana. Nana. Okay. It's like the mint leaf or the tea, how it is maybe the mint leaf. Yeah, it's called Nana. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. I find it to be really energizing. I love it as well. Very, yes. very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a tea fan. It, so that's like a part of like ritual. So like, when you wake up in the morning, like, what's your ritual? Like, what, <laughs> what is your, yeah, you. So I have to have the tea. Okay. For me, I when I wake up, it's like this. Oh, no. <laughs> that both, not too phones. <laughs> the guns, the guns. Oh, no. my gosh. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, when I wake up, I, um, yeah, first I will uh, check the phone, but then mm-hmm. I'll uh, stretch and train a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like to do gravity workout uh, so i don't really use with weight i don't mm-hmm. really work out with weight i just use my body weight nice and so this helps you tone and kind of lean out nice uh, yeah rather than build the muscle because i'm not trying to build muscle so right maybe we should give some people a little bit more details about why uh, you train and and <laughs> why you're so lean but dara has many titles i cannot really <laughs> like I can't put one title. He's very multi-hyphenate. So maybe tell the people like who you are and, and what you do. And yeah. So my name is Badar Njai, everyone. And I'm from Senegal. Uh, but I'm American now. I've taken the nationality after many years of living in the U.S. I was a basketball player. And following an injury, I started working in fashion. And there were other things that happened before that, but I landed in fashion and now I work as a creative director and a consultant. And sometimes I teach uh, or do some art projects as an artist. I was a Boston school sometime or other schools, other fashion schools, some other yes. ones that the Morangoli. So yeah, uh, that's generally, that's what I do. <laughs> I'm always doing stuff. <laughs> I know, always creating. I learned so much about you. And that's how we're connected. My fabulous director, Melissa, I was telling her about the podcast and I was like, I'm thinking of like, who are the disruptors like in fashion? Like who are the people that, that we may not know about that they didn't take the traditional route, you know, really trying to find like the creative misfits. And she was like, oh, well, this one day I was walking down the hallway in Parsons, Paris, and I met this gentleman. He was just so he introduced himself to me. That's what she told me. She said, you introduced yourself to her. And she was like, he was so, I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like you guys should, should connect. I think you guys should, should connect. 
And I was well, like, thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Yes. Thank you, Melissa. And that was like back in, I want to say like January. So this has been in motion since then. And then guys, I went to his Instagram because she gave me the Instagram. And I was like, oh my goodness, how am I going to reach out to this beautiful Senegalese, Parisian, American? I don't even know where he's at. He makes clothes. He does his own thing. He's at the time when I reached out, he was preparing for transmission, uh, which we'll talk a lot about. But yeah, it was just honestly destined to disrupt. Okay. So we were destined to be here today. And I think what would be fascinating, Badara, is maybe if you could delve a little bit more into, and I know we talked about this, but I found it fascinating, like how you bridged your way into fashion, because that was not by design, I don't think. Tell us about how that happened and that transition, becoming the creative that you are today. Yeah, sure. I had a friend of mine who started an online magazine and had asked me, this was at the very early days of this online magazine, which is quite known sometimes because now they are also doing, um, they are part of doing a production of all, some of the content for some of the top high-end brands that you see now, all the way from Italy to, to, mm-hmm. to Paris as well. And so they asked me to become their man's editor. And I, of course, I had no experience in that. I, I, I studied sociology, anthropology, and psychology. I didn't study fashion at all. I, didn't, I mean, which is linked because when you're talking about fashion, you're talking about anthropology as, as well. And so I had to write just reports about the shows. So I, I went in like a true American spirit, you know, just go for it and just, uh, just do what you gotta do. So I went in to, I asked the first, like, how would it work? Like, where would I need to go? So they told me, well, you go to Paris and Milan and Florence for Fashion Week, Florence for Pitti Uomo, and where you would be just writing reports and working with a photographer, uh, capturing some of the uh, images, do reports. And I say, okay. So I went, I, I fell in love with it. And then my first uh, Fashion Week season, like you have all the fashion photographers, the street style photographers, therefore the main fashion magazine are just trying to spot new people they find interesting. So apparently they found me interesting. So I was, I ended up in all the magazines. So this kind of gave me the push to say, okay, well, I guess something happened. So I have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so my friend who pushed me to become uh, the man's editor had created an Instagram account for me and told me here, this is your Instagram account and this is your username and password. So, uh, <laughs> That's how Badara Official was born, actually. So when I went back to Miami, at this time I was in Miami, I went back to Miami, I bought a camera. And then from there, I started taking photos. uh, And I had my housekeeper was taking my photos, actually. And if you see the photos, you'll be really shocked, actually. So she took those photos. Then I started creating content on my own or with my own financials, my own funds by buying the clothes, etc. Because that's this investment, like when Mm -hmm. you start. Yeah, put money. And so that's how we started. But then next thing you know, I started being approached by fashion photographers and brands to collaborate with them. And I collaborated with Anna Della Russo. So we wow. were creating her content on social media and around 2015. This is when she was really, really active on social media and also working with many brands. Mm-hmm. So our group started working with Dolce & Gabbana also through her and Tori Birch. So it just started growing and growing and growing. 
I decided to go on my own and started continuing the better official page, being just creative and styling my own clothes. Because also I wanted to show that I'm 6'11", which is 2 meters and 11. I wanted to also show that... Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I just want to show also that uh, you can be tall and be stylish because usually the tall person is not portrayed as somebody who has style. Mm. So unless you are an NBA player or, or have a lot of money. For me, I wanted to defy that. So that's what I've been kind of doing from the beginning. But then, of course, uh, then you start going different routes, but they all stay with the same thread. Anyway, wow. so this is how I kind of uh, got into fashion, I would say. Yeah, I would say disruptions like in your core, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's a core pillar. I want to talk about the disruption that happened in your life. So the disruption, you were an athlete, I'm sure. 6'11 on the court. I mean, you're probably dunking, doing all types of things. And then something changed. So tell us about that disruption in your life. Yes. So basketball was my life. Like, that's what, that's what I knew. And like we say in the US, that was also my ticket. And so that's all I saw. I only know, I only knew basketball. So that's actually how I left Senegal to go to the U.S. I was recruited to move to the U.S. to play basketball. So mm -hmm. I first moved to the state of Iowa. Wow. Yes. <laughs> what an introduction <laughs> to middle America. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was a good thing, actually, now looking yeah. back. because uh, And I, couldn't, I could not speak English whatsoever at all when I first moved to the States. And being in Iowa has helped me a lot. I didn't have any influence to speak other languages. So I only had to speak English, which I did. But then two years later, I transferred to FIU in Florida International University, where I went and played for the Sunbelt Conference. And then during my senior year, I had a microfracture. I had a knee surgery. And so this is what, what, led, me to, what led me to stopping playing basketball. And uh, then other things started happening. And uh, as life is, you know, there are always things unfolding. How were you when you were in that place? That moment when you were like, I don't know if the doctor comes in and it's like, hey, this is it. Where were you? Yeah, before I had the surgery, actually, I was told that I would not move the same way because uh, I don't know if you know a little bit about basketball. I'm 6'11", but I played power forward. I played a four. Because for my height, yes. yes. And so I'll, I'll play inside, I'll play outside as well. And I loved mm -hmm. playing outside. So I used to play the four, by the way. Oh, well, okay. There you go. So, so you know, that <laughs> well, was a short four. Like I'm only five five, but I was I was sturdy. Yeah. I'm sturdy, stocky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I had a conversation with the doctor a couple of times mm -hmm. about what what would happen afterwards and how I would feel. He told me, "Well, you're never going to be the same for sure after the surgery. Uh, you lose speed and." I'm not even sure if you'll be able to play basketball as before. Mm. And this would could be the end of your basketball career. Mm. So I it was a long and hard reflection to do, but I knew that sooner or later I'm, I was going to have to have the surgery. And at that time I was already injured. I couldn't even play. Right. So I'm like, I have nothing to lose. I have to do it now. Plus the university was going to pay for it. If you don't know in the U.S., your school pay your hostel bills. Do that's a big deal. Because you're yeah. going to end up like, you're going to end up owning so much money. It's ridiculous. The yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I did the surgery and uh, 
it took me about two and a half years to fully recover, fully recovered. Because mm-hmm. until now, I'm not, I'm not really recovered. I feel mm-hmm. it's something. Too, and how old were you during this time? I was 24. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was 24 is so pivotal. A lot happening. I mean, the whole time there were just many things happening. And, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, even until now, it's like, <laughs> it's like things never stop. It's like things never calm down. Mm-mm. Really. Maybe it's also something I unconsciously seek. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, to always trying to do new things and, mm-hmm. and also things happening and mm-hmm. how you deal with them. I can tell you that for sure I didn't have the easiest life. For sure mm-hmm. I can tell you that. Okay. But, but then we just have to keep going. And in our culture also, usually we are not given a chance to sit and whine on our own. We just keep going. We just keep trying because we don't have anything else. And that's what it was for me. I didn't mm. have anything else. So I had to keep going and that's what I did. Mm. And I just mm. <laughs> Wow. The resilience, the grit. I think it's similar. I think if you're a, a black child or a young person that is, especially like first generation of either immigrating or going to school, there's like this immense pressure that we carry to perform and not just like mediocre at the highest level. I think in some type of way, you're the one or you're, you got the juice to be that for the family. So I think there's that. And then just societal pressures like that. We just push on ourselves, like our bodies just responding like, Hey, it's all the same story. You, yes. come to, you go to the Western world, work hard, whether you're playing sport or going to school, you succeed. You have to help the family. Yes. <laughs> That's what you do. So yes. whether you're Chinese, Senegalese, Jamaican, yeah. um, Spanish, we come from different places. Uh, even Russian, you see it also in Eastern European cultures. It's so funny that all these traits fall into different types of cultures. Yeah. But yes. So it's this really... comes from that about uh, mm-hmm. uh, being successful. And actually this leads uh, to a lot of depression and even like people like uh, not wanting to go back uh, because they are ashamed of their country. So they rather stay and be homeless and get in oh. trouble than going back. Uh, for them, it's a huge failure. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And Absolutely. I'm sure the people who will be listening, uh, who are listening, will, you know, will feel the same way, will understand what I'm saying. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But it's the other side of that because we all go through it in some way. We have that disruption that happens in our life. Mine's had just happened to be moving to California. You're taking a lot of risks. And I think that it sounds like that's what happened post your surgery. At this point, it's a blank canvas and it's up to you to, to design your own life and that's what you've been doing. transmission <laughs> now. Yes. So yeah, I would love to hear more about transmission and all the amazing creatives. I mean, the visuals are sickening, honestly. Like the visuals are just sickening. <laughs> Guys, if you I want you once you see, you're just gonna be like, wow, this is so very editorial, very thought-provoking supposed to have an emotional response of some sort. So tell us about transmission. Maybe just start with your why. Transmission is just uh, basically what you have just said about 
facing an empty canvas and having to paint it on your own. That's what it is. Why transmission is because after my move to the U.S., I have had encountered encountered many life situations that made me uh, really think back. In my culture, we say this is actually that you are saying that what you are saying is true. Mm. <laughs> when, when you sneeze or when somebody else sneeze while you are saying something. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bring the and, truth. I'm the truth seeker. <laughs> yes. I'm here. <laughs> anyway, I had so many different experiences. Like, I, I know I'm going to write a book. <laughs> I know I will. Some things will be shocking for people and <laughs> some will not be. But yes, because the shaman told me once, I had 400 lives uh, before getting wow. to you know, Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so just having lived so many situations, I and just coming to life, having so many experiences, meeting different people, going to different places. I said, wow, like uh, really, uh, I never thought uh, the kid from Senegal, if you had told him that you would be going to all these places, all these different countries, learning all these new languages, knowing more about these cultures, meeting all these types of different people and doing what you are doing today. I will tell you, man, like you're old. I don't know. You're telling me nonsense. That's what I would <laughs> I would not believe it at all. I know. It's crazy. I would not believe it at all. So just coming to a reflection, earlier I told you, before we started recording, I told you that I talk a lot to myself. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't talk out loud, though, so, so people don't think I'm crazy. <laughs> I, I try to be aware. I try mm. to be in the moment. I am mm. intentionally engaged with people when I talk to people. Mm. I don't do blah, blah, blah. I, I can't do that. Maybe when I was younger, I, I could, but I can't anymore. Having gone through some of these reflections sometimes or just living a moment and go like, wow, having things come back to your head. And then you say, wow, like in life, you really paint your own canvas. And so this is how Transmission came about. And Transmission is a film, an art film that uh, is highlighting how as human beings, we are shaped by our experiences, by our society, family, institution, all the experiences that we live, how they shape us. Whether they are experiences we loved or we hated, they still shape us. That's why I, this saying exists, that like you learn from your mistakes or learn from the hardship that you go through. I think these are the, the factors that shape us. So I use colors to express and show this film some of the experiences that we have, some of the influences that we have through our lives. From our families, I use colors and I use myself as a subject, even though I directed it and I build the concept. And I collaborated with a French artist painter called Véronique de Vassal, who was painting me actually as you were going through. So in the film, Faye will share with you at some point because I will give it to her, the link. You see, you see her hand uh, and her hand represent also all the, um, the events in life that are like uh, basically having an effect on my, on me on my body and my mm. mind and my way of thinking. And after what I did, at the beginning of the movie, you see me sit on a bench and a school bench. Behind the school bench, you have a huge canvas, a huge, huge, really. And after the, all the painting that was on my body, I got up to go to my life, the empty canvas, and painted the way I want. So this was the, um, the true definition of transmissions. That was the original idea. And mm. then. 
transmission turn into something else. But I'm gonna let Faye comment, and then I'll then I can talk about maybe the full project afterwards. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness! I don't know about you guys, but I'm literally visualizing. <laughs> Badera, the paint, the bench, the canvas. Uh, Okay, let me calm down. So anyway, (laughs) the expression, I feel like color is always, if I had a pillar for you, I would say color is another core item because it comes out, obviously, because you, I know you taught a course at Parsons on colors. Also, if you ever see this man's Instagram page, it's just bright and so many dimensions of color. I think that's what what makes it deep because it's so many different versions and shades of himself as a subject in some cases. But I know that transmission wasn't only for you. It was also an opportunity to open up the door and give other artists a canvas or platform to express themselves. I'll let you get into that and tell us about how that manifested. The conversation is stopping here, but it's far from over. Make sure you tap in and tune in as we continue the conversation with Badara. He has so many gems to drop. We look forward to you listening, subscribing, even leave a review. I'll see you guys next time. And don't forget to be disruptive.